Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And for this week only, get a 110% sign-on bonus. 110% of your initial deposit by using code NEXTROUND. That's MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. Furman is uh, BetTheBoardPodcast.com, former odds maker at Caesars Palace. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. But BetTheBoardPodcast.com is where you get all the games, in addition to the ones we'll talk about with him right now. What is up, Furman? How are you? I'm doing well, gentlemen, and of course I could not take this fine Friday off because you have to provide a postmortem on one Super Bowl in the NFL and then the more important Super Bowl coming Sunday for the NASCAR world with the kickoff at Daytona 500. Ah. So. Yeah, that's a, NASCAR is where Furman, uh, he's good with all of it. He's dialed in on NASCAR, though. What, what was Vegas like, though? I mean, it was. could you move out there? Was it, was it shut down? What was it like? Outstanding atmosphere, and I have to give this city credit, I mean, because it is built to embrace events of this magnitude. So when you look from the south end of the Strip, Mandalay Bay, where a lot of the media folks were staying, all the way to the north end, where the wind was responsible for some of the marquee events, especially in the nightlife realm, I mean, you could walk up and down the Strip, safety from top to bottom. The one challenge was, of course, trying to be able to drive any of it, so trips that would normally take 8 to 10 minutes on a normal Saturday night would be more of the 50 to 55-minute variety, so I'm sure Uber drivers benefit immensely, But the feedback that I've been given from folks that have attended a lot more Super Bowls than I've been to, the proximity, the ease of getting in and out of restaurants uh, and the entertainment options, far surpassing that of a lot of other Super Bowl host cities in a Phoenix or L.A. or Santa Clara where everything isn't in a condensed, consolidated area. So we anxiously await to see when the NFL may give Vegas a second crack uh, at hosting the biggest game in the sport. Uh, Furman, the one thing you can say about me is I'm consistently bad when it comes to Super Bowls. I brought this up when you were uh, on last week. I gave out San Francisco. I felt really good about this game. I have now lost eight straight sides in the Super Bowl. I am 4-18 and over the last 22, and I still will stand by it. I think San Francisco was the better team. We've, we were talking in break, you know, if Dre Greenlaw doesn't get hurt, um, if they pick up a third down conversion in regulation, you know, a lot of different factors. San Fran goes on and wins that game. Seems like they had every opportunity. Uh, where were you on the side? And I would assume the books ultimately made money, but the side hurt them. It did. It was not a good Super Bowl for the house. When you look at the record-breaking handle out here in Nevada, surpassed what we had seen in 2022. Uh, and it was great in that regard, knowing that the event was here and the betting basically responded to some of that. But when you look at the overall win-loss rate and the hold percentage, down substantially uh, and one of the lowest over the last 10 years that we had seen, largely because of what you mentioned, public support for the Kansas City Chiefs, the game ultimately landing on or around the total. Some books had moved to 46.5 on game day, and a lot of the marquee players all went over their player props with that scoring explosion in the second half or overtime. I had a little bit of exposure to the 49ers, not a big position for me, and I know people out they're listening go wow you guys are crying over spilled milk you go back and watch that game and to your point lt the drake greenlaw injury hurt uh as san francisco had really bottled up the chiefs offense the chiefs one touchdown drive in regulation comes off a muff punt uh, and the 49ers led that game for north of 40 minutes so if they're able to execute a second and four instead of settling for that long jake moody field goal which kind of put the nail in their coffin there's no doubt they had a path to victory here, and Kyle Shanahan has to be having plenty of sleepless nights knowing the opportunity that slipped through his fingers with the game plan they put together. They just weren't able to go out there and execute it to the best of their ability. And you give Patrick Mahomes a sliver of hope, as we've seen in the past, he will go out there, execute, and deliver for the Chiefs. 
Um, before we get to basketball, let's do the Daytona 500 because I know you're a big NASCAR fan. Last night, the dual races, Tyler Reddick won the first one. Christopher Bell won the second one. Logano's on the pole. Jimmy Johnson, for the first time in his career, had to race his way into the Daytona 500. He was able to do that. Um, how much money do I make when Almondinger wins this thing? <laughs> Uh, you'll make a decent chunk of change, and look, AJ has attracted a little bit of buzz uh, as a long shot in this race, and if you're looking to try and find a needle in a haystack, the Daytona 500 has really provided that. You go back over the last three race winners, Ricky Stenhouse uh, did it last year, Michael McDowell the year before, and Austin Sindrick. So this isn't a sport uh, as terms of a race that's real easy to handicap. When you look at the odds on some of the household names, there's a reason that the Joey Logano's, Ryan Blaney's, and Denny Hamlin's are all available at prices of 10 to 1 or greater for this. So you, this is an opportunity to take some shots, and I think Chase Elliott would love to be able to get into the win column knowing how tumultuous last season was. So at 15 to 1, maybe worth a small nibble there. If you go further down the odds board, I think Corey LaJoy at a price of 70 to 1 makes a little bit of sense. But this one is much more conducive to watching and entertainment value than it is to making money on. There will be plenty of NASCAR races throughout the season where we'll find a true mathematical edge. I just won't say it's going to come Sunday uh, on the shores of Daytona. Well, Shark Bait brings up what I was going to ask you. Do you, I mean, rain is in the forecast all weekend, which means there's a chance it's going to be a shortened race. Does that give you a better chance at playing a flyer at that point, maybe? Take a, hey, take a chance? Yeah, definitely can. You'll see some strategies uh, in play there because a lot of these race teams circle the two trips to Daytona, the two trips to two trips to Talladega and Atlanta to a lesser extent, knowing those are going to give them the best opportunities to get a win uh, and clinch a playoff spot this early in the season. So it's provided great storylines in the past. Uh, Denny Hamlin, three career wins in this race. Kyle Busch still looking for his first Daytona 500 win, which would be his 19th start this weekend. So if you happen to have access to live betting options, I mean, that could give you an opportunity because you're going to see a lot of these race teams, if they feel that the forecast is going to get ugly uh, or things are going to change on the fly, try, really try and do everything they can to push some of those fuel windows. All right, let's go to the basketball. Todd Furman is with us. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. At Todd Furman on Twitter. The biggest game of the weekend is on Fox Saturday. Number four, Marquette. At number one, UConn. UConn has been one of the best teams in college basketball. Shaka Smart has got Marquette right back where he had him last year. What do you see in this game? Yeah, this UConn team has been white hot. You have to go all the way back to Wednesday, December 20th against Seton Hall to find the last time that UConn ended up on the wrong side of a decision. Didn't get caught looking ahead against my beloved DePaul Blue Demons on Wednesday with a commanding 101-65 victory there. When you look at the game against Marquette, Shaka has been outstanding in his career when his team is catching points, and they're going to be an attractive proposition in this spot uh, in a game where I project UConn to open right around a, a five-and-a-half, six-point favorite here. You look at UConn and what they They've done from an offensive and defensive standpoint, top five uh, in adjusted offensive efficiency this year. They've been extremely stout on the defensive side. And when you look from top to bottom, there is no doubt UConn and Purdue have been the two most complete teams all season long, uh, but should be an outstanding game and would not be shocked at all if this was a one-possession contest late because Marquette comes in you know, riding a massive winning streak themselves, outlasting Butler in a game where they took professional money against them as a short three-and-a-half four-point road favorite on Tuesday night. A lot of people thought that Auburn minus 11.5 was the heavy number against South Carolina. Considering the Gamecocks were ranked 11th, they had won seven consecutive games. I laid the 11.5. It was an easy win for Auburn. They go on to win that game by 40. They're undefeated at Neville. Now Kentucky comes in. Somebody asked us yesterday what I thought the number would be. 
Kentucky's one of these inflated brands in basketball, as you know, much like Alabama or Georgia in football. Uh, so I think it's going to come less than 11. I would say this number's probably 7.5. What do you see in Kentucky-Auburn on Saturday? 7.5 for me, LT, is actually a touch light. So I'd come in that 8, 8.5 range, but I think you're right in that ballpark. And it'll be interesting to see where uh, the first bet gets placed in this game and how the number moves. You mentioned how good Auburn has been at home. The 40-point win against South Carolina opened a lot of people's eyes. I got a number of notes. Why is South Carolina a top-20 team catching this many points? And about 10 minutes in, I think people realized that it was a separation of the haves and have-nots. You look at how Auburn played avenging the loss against Alabama last week, uh, coming away with an 18-point victory there. They have been a juggernaut uh, at home. And while you look at the Kentucky team that they're going to be facing, I mean, the Wildcats haven't exactly been playing their best basketball, now getting in the win column in two out of their last three, but still having gone two and three over their last five games. Uh, Let's see if the Wildcats play a little bit loose and free. Not sure I'd go back to the window looking to lay a number with Auburn, but I do believe uh, you're right in line with where the market will open with Auburn just shy of a double-digit favorite in this spot. Uh, for Alabama, they catch a bye week, and now they get Texas A&M, who lost at Vanderbilt. Uh, to me, that makes Texas A&M more dangerous that they lost that game at Vandy. How do you see that game in Tuscaloosa, and how do you factor in the loss at Vandy? You should get a much more focused Aggies effort than, than what you saw against the Commodores there. This is a game, again, that will open right around that double-digit threshold with Alabama in that eight-and-a-half, nine-point range. Uh, you look at Alabama, a nice convincing win against LSU last Saturday, p- dropping north of 100 points in that contest, where it was truly a defensive optional affair. You know, A&M having won three games before they came up a point short against Vandy. Look, I mean, you wonder if they're a little bit deflated, but I do think focus will be there. Uh, you go back and look at these teams in the previous performance. You know, we've seen them kind of go to the mat together in the past. Uh, and I think if you're able to get 10 with A&M, it makes some sense. If the number did open at 8, probably no fly territory for me in that perspective. Uh, Todd Furman, before you go, there were some college football totals that uh, were leaked out. I think FanDuel had these. And I'm curious if you have looked too deeply into them. And are there any that jump out at you? You know, gone through them a little bit, uh, the unfortunate part, and, you know, people laugh. These don't offer that much in the way of limits, so it gets to be a little bit tricky for, you know, us to really go into them in a full deep dive and tip our hand in terms of where we want these markets to open when more books come online. But it is great, I mean, to see these sports books now in the regulated market continue to open odds sooner and sooner. The one that stood out to me a little bit, and I know it's some uncertainty and you never know what you're going to get offensively, uh, Iowa's number actually appeared a touch short. I mean, their schedule by Big Ten standards doesn't appear to be that daunting uh, going into the season. You add some help along the offensive line, you get a healthy Cade McNamara back, uh, and while it's not as fortuitous as playing the Big Ten West schedule from top to bottom, uh, I think Iowa's total is a touch low. I can see Kirk Ferentz's team with a little bit of offense getting to eight or nine wins that it'll take to be able to cash that ticket, but uh, no real mistakes in terms of the top of the market when you look at a lot of these power programs uh, and it'll be a question of how many other players we see transfer between now and the start of the season Uh, and for those folks that are looking at the local schools Auburn's win total seven and a half with a heavy tariff attached to go under that total and Alabama with a coaching change a little bit unusual to see nine and a half their win total and have to lay a price to go under for someone that bet Alabama under last year, I'm still not thrilled about what transpired at Jordan Hare in the regular season finale. <laughs> Neither are Auburn fans. Don't worry. Uh, by the way, is there is there a follow up on the guy that 
claimed he stormed the field and bet the big money. Um, I, I'm sure you've seen that story and cashed the bet because he himself stormed the field. Is there a follow-up on you that? You talking about Streaker? Yeah, yeah the Streaker. I, I yeah. have. I, I'd love to be able to know which sports books that he was betting this because for anybody that's looked at it, whether it's a mybookie.ag or some of the other offshores, most of these books will take 25 to $50 max. So he's going to have to go through a laundry list of accounts to be able to get down enough money to be able to walk away with some profit, pay his bail and everything else. So this just feels like a, you know, wives tale more than anything yeah. else. Uh, and something cut from, you know, a similar cloth to what we saw back in the old days where you would see the streakers with golden palace casino on their back or the full George Costanza bodysuits uh, at a lot of sporting events. So great for publicity, uh, a great story, but in terms of actually being able to execute something along these lines, consider me a skeptic until proven otherwise. So Furman, I know a local guy that took up to 2000 on Gatorade color. I mean, this and that is, got leaked, right? Well, no, I mean, did, there are yeah, reports so, that it got leaked, and I still want to know if San Francisco wins, if the Gatorade was going to be blue. Well, see, and that's the whole thing. Like we had talked a little bit about, you kind of have to turn into a two-team parlay unless you know the same color Gatorade is going to be available on both sidelines. The bigger controversy for some books, guys, was the uh, singing of the national anthem from Reba when she decided that she was going to elongate the brave and do they grade it to the final note? Do they grade it when she goes through the song the first time? I mean, plus or minus a second here or there. Anytime you bet into some of those gray markets, you open yourself up to sportsbook interpretations. Uh, and as Dunaway can attest to with his lovely run during the NCAA tournament, it's hard enough to pick winners when you actually have a scoreboard keeping track of the results. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so let me ask you this, Furman. From a professional standpoint, let's just hypothetically say that you like the 49ers, minus one and a half or minus two at minus 110. Or you've heard that possibly Gatorade is going to be blue for San Francisco and you're getting plus 225. And you felt pretty confident that your source was right on the Gatorade color. You would play the plus 225 as opposed to the minus one and a half, minus 110, right? It would definitely make some sense. Uh, I mean, a high level of correlation, not exactly one-to-one if you don't get the Gatorade dump at the end. Uh, And it's what we talk about all the time when you look at some of the opportunities that are available in a game like that, that you saw some folks, instead of betting the Chiefs on the money line, want to go to bat with a Patrick Mahomes MVP ticket. And that created a lot of liability for sports books uh, as well because some books would offer the Chiefs a plus 110 on the money line. And you had an opportunity, at least early on in the process, to take Mahomes right around plus 140. So anytime you can find that correlation, it always makes sense to explore some of the ancillary markets uh, that are out there and available. Uh, and it's one of the tricks that you know, sports bettors have used for years to try and find the same bet or something that has a, a high level of connection to be able to maximize some of the results compared to what the sports books are offering. Uh, before you go, Furman, I know you follow the industry as a whole. Um, there was a bill that passed the Alabama House yesterday now goes to the Senate and then would go to the November ballot. I think they're trying to get it on the November ballot. Um, That includes mobile sports betting. It's a lottery bill that includes mobile sports betting. It passed the House. I think they feel confident they can get it through the Senate. And I have actually seen some surveys where there's a favorable vote uh, among those at least polled uh, in the state of Alabama. So uh, that's something to watch in the industry. Hey, fingers crossed. Look, I think every state should have access to mobile sports betting in one capacity or another. We know Mississippi, you know, when they approved sports betting, it was only through brick and mortars that they didn't have any mobile component to it. They've since, you know, tried to move forward in that regard. I'm not sure if Mississippi has officially rolled it out or it will be coming soon, but 
sports betting is coming to a state near you, and I think the faster that everybody can get on board, uh, it's better for all parties involved. Uh, and look, our state, you know, for having sports betting as long as we have, we still don't have access to the FanDuel's, DraftKings, and some of the new age operators. So we almost feel like we're in the Stone Ages in that capacity. Uh, and for those folks as well that are following a little bit of the DFS conundrum that's going on, we saw a state like Florida kind of force their hand with underdog prize picks and a couple other outfits. So there is a lot of political jockeying that takes place across this fine country when it comes to sports betting. Just hope cooler heads prevail, and at some point we'll have sports betting in all 49 states because Utah may not bring it to them until about 2,300. You, you say <laughs> uh, you say jockeying. We say uh, off the books, under the table, uh, payments coming from other states, keeping our leaders from actually voting the way they know the people want to go. Well, I mean, look, Dunaway, they've done business in the SEC recruiting that way for wow. years. So why no, why no different to try and handle sports betting the exact same way, my well, friend? Well, I would tell you uh, the trophy cases in the SEC are full of stuff. You find me a state capital in the South that has a trophy case like any SEC football program, and then I will bow down. Those for those famous state government trophies that get uh, handed well, out. Look, uh, look, those state governors and legislators aren't going to show their money forward-facing, but I'm sure they have plenty <laughs> nice estates uh, with guards and gated communities that show you that those are the trophies that they need to sh- prove that they have done things the right way or at least that they have felt have been above board ethically in their own unique thought process. Hey, by the way, trivia question if you're ever at a bar, if it ever pops up, the swimming pool at the governor's mansion in Montgomery is shaped like the state of Alabama. That's a uh, very unique tidbit and one that I'm sure will not pop up at a trivia night out here in the desert anytime soon. But when I get down there to Talladega, I'll make sure on Talladega Boulevard to let everyone know that I have not seen that first and foremost. I'm taking Dunaway's word for it. No, and the same guy that built pools for the Holiday Inn in the 70s built this pool. Yeah. And they haven't updated it since. If you have not seen Kay Ivey in her bikini, buddy, you have not lived. You know, hopefully they put a couple of chlorine tablets in that pool since the 70s. I think that's more important than updating it anything else. I mean, Bob James used to do cannonballs in it. <laughs> Fervin, thank you for the time. Have a great weekend. Hey, always a pleasure, gentlemen. Enjoy the good hoops this weekend, and uh, very curious to see how the Auburn-Kentucky game unfolds tomorrow afternoon. Uh, absolutely. We are, too. Thank you, Furman. Furman with us on the Johnston RV Center.com hotline. 